Live from 221B Baker Street, this is Derailed Trains of Thought. Welcome to episode 126 of Derailed Trains of Thoughts, your premier podcast on storytelling. For the creator and the consumer. My name is Timothy Deal. My name is Nick Hayden. We are coming to you today from uh, late 1800s England. It's very foggy right now. It is very foggy, very damp. There's still some snow on the ground. I wish I was had uh, some more layers on, to be honest. We know exactly where we are. Yes. Thankfully, we are we are staying. Are we inside or outside? <laughs> can't you tell, Tim? It's foggy out. Yeah. <laughs> it's so foggy. At we well, can't it's, tell. I'm not sure. Or he could be smoking a pipe. Exactly. That, or all those. Uh, I, I see a lot of. Actually, you know what? I see a bunch of beakers and yeah. and uh, chemistry stuff over so there. It, so it's a little confused in here. It is. It is a bit confused. This place is nuts. Well, I get the sense that someone's trying to keep it well cleaned, yeah. but she's not succeeding. You very know, well. actually, if this isn't fog, I don't know if we should be breathing this stuff in. Uh, that's a that's a it fair point, illegal. actually. Yeah, that's a good. That's a very good point. Well, um, folks, you can uh, pray for us as we get through this podcast. That's uh, we uh, get out of here with our health and wits about us. Yes. But uh, how are you doing, Nick? Aside from the fog, doing pretty well today. Yes, both at home and here in England, it's been it's been pretty decent. I mean. We had snow back home. Mm-hmm. So not enjoyable. a big change here. Snow so. day. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Snow day's out. Yeah, been, been nice. I mean, everyone's just a little under the weather. Kids keep just coughs, sniffles, whatever. But other than that, pretty good. Cool. Cool. How about you, Tim? Um, well, uh, I don't have any kids, so I don't have to worry about... That's true. I've, to be honest, I've been very blessed this winter. I don't think I've gotten super sick yet. Knock, oh, knock on wood. I don't know if that's appropriate for a Christian or not. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but yeah, no, Janelle and I are doing okay. Not not a lot to report, I guess. We, we live very happy but boring lives. That's a good thing. Yeah. <laughs> the most exciting part of my of my month is when the podcast spirits me away somewhere in time. It is keeps things interesting. It does. I mean, that's uh, I guess not too many people can say that. Anyway, Nick, I think it's time we got into the meat of our podcast: the lamb, the uh, pork pigeon. Chop. Yeah, I was trying to think of, of uh, some thematically stag, appropriate meat pies, mutton, mutton. But anyway, that's time for our first discussion segment. Story School. In case you're new around here, uh, Story School is where Nick and I talk about some elements of storytelling to pique our own curiosity and see what fun discussions will come out of it. And often we come out with something we didn't quite know before we started. Which is always fun. It's kind of a fun discovery along with you listeners. Um, But today's topic is specifics. Or specificity. Specificity. Okay. So The the bare specificity. Yeah, anyways. (laughs) Well, all right, Nick. Um, (laughs) You're our uh, residence teacher. Yes. Why don't you tell us what do you have in mind when it comes to specificity in stories? Actually, teacher story. Okay. So, and this has happened even when I did writing ages ago, you know, when I was just a writing teacher. I'd always told them that the main thing that I, I constantly tell middle schoolers is be specific. <laughs> like, 
Middle schoolers are notorious for being as vague as possible, answering questions, writing essays. I'm like, no, give me details. Give me why did so-and-so feel bad because something happened. You know, it's... <laughs> the bare minimum answers. The bare minimum. So at the very least, when I think of when we say specifics, is those special details that sets it apart from other things. For instance, <laughs> one of my daughters... When she's telling her stories, she's like, hey, dad, do you know that thing that we did? And then we had a lot of other stuff. And like, please be clear, Sarandi. Uh, <laughs> because she just she, it's in her brain and she's trying to communicate it. And she says things and and then this happened. And then and then and then she starts laughing about something that's funny that she didn't quite get out. Um it reminds me of a story my grandmother tells about my sister who, when we were in a car trip and she was asking for something that she couldn't reach and she kept asking for that thing, that thing, that thing. And my grandmother says, Joanna, what do you call it? And she thought, and she said, I call it that thing. One, <laughs> <laughs> I got to add one little detail. So apparently in Portuguese, according to Natasha, they actually have a verb to thing it. To thing it. Like, it's like like the noun we use for thing, just, but it's a verb version. We're like, okay. when I thinged it. You know, we can't, you're not being specific about what you did, <laughs> which I think is great. Well, I mean, that makes sense. I mean, English, we've got our, like, whatchamacallit and who, who what's a dinger and yeah. whatever. <laughs> but, like, I thinged it yesterday. What do you mean? I sang. Or, I don't know. But anyway, we're giving examples, specifics of sort of this idea that when people don't communicate well, we're left confused. Mm-hmm. And stories, you know, not just essays for my students, but stories, I think, are always better and more engaging. Okay, I won't say always. Always is a strong word. But often better with the more specifics you give. Another example from writing life. I took a poetry class in college, and we were really talking about, in poetry, use concrete nouns. Concrete nouns being things you can touch. You know, you don't say love. Love is abstract. It can mean whatever you want. Okay. Bravery can mean whatever you want. Mm -hmm. This is why Langston Hughes does stuff like a dream deferred. Is it like a raisin in the sun? Is it like okay? Is it like syrups that I can't remember the poem like that gets that shell on? And so he gives these very specific metaphors to explain this abstract idea. Yeah, it's a great point, especially since the inclination or like the um, what's the specific word I'm looking for? <laughs> exactly. <here? laughs> Sometimes the, the vibe we get from poetry is that it's this, like you said, abstract. It's, mm -hmm. it's like nonspecific. It's supposed to impart a feeling or something. Yeah. And that's not usually, you don't think of feelings as a specific thing. But you still have to communicate in some ways. And communication, by definition, requires some specificity. You have some, some common ground to start from. This professor who was seeing the poetry class said he didn't like most modern, at this point, this was, what, 20 years ago now, most modern Christian music. It was so abstract. It was so like, I praise you, worship, as opposed to like give, a, give something you can identify with. Sure. Anyways, those are just sort of those things that have stuck in my head ever since. Jesus, many times, will be like, hey, someone's like, hey, who's my neighbor? He's like, let me tell you a story. Because <laughs> he could just give you the abstract answer, but uh -huh. being specific, giving an example, being, you know, we do this all the time on our podcast. Like, we're like, Oh, there's this movie example. Again, we're going to get to storytelling, but I just think that idea of being specific is a way of language is about communicating to other people. And the more specific we can be, the more we can understand exactly what we're saying to each other. But how interesting in some ways that Jesus 
often communicated a truth with a story. Exactly. Sometimes we don't have an understanding for something like a, a philosophy, uh, a moral teaching, without it being grounded in, okay, this is how what this person Here's did an on the road to Damascus yeah. or, or wherever the, Samaritan, the Good Samaritan takes place. Yeah, and it's interesting just how much the Bible is very specific. I was listening tonight to, I've been listening through much of the Bible. I was in Exodus where they're talking about the tabernacle. If you ever went to a place where you wish there was more, you know, like, I don't need all these details. <laughs> Here are There's the exact one. measurements for how, what these pillars should and be. And just like, and stop, please. <laughs> how many rings you need, and yeah. But God's like, hey, I gave you the exact dimensions, do it. Anyways, one more example, and then we'll get into how it applies to stories. Okay. So I have in front of me, guys, this, ages ago, I bought this script writing book written by J. Michael Straczynski. Uh -huh. Which is, if you don't know, if you're not listening to us, the creator of Babylon 5, one of the best science fiction shows you probably have not watched. Um, but he's saying hints for writing screenwriting. It is available on HBO Max for those of you who have it. The book? No, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> Babylon 5. Yes, you should watch it. We've plugged it before. We'll plug it again. But I've remembered this paragraph basically since I read it sometime in high school as a writing tip. And this will lead into why I think specifics so important. Okay, he says... When writing Dream Me Alive for The Twilight Zone, he wrote for like the, one of the new version of The Twilight Zone, I wanted a character to talk about his deceased wife and show how much he cared for her. Rather than just stating that flat out at the beginning, I wanted to sneak up on it little by a little by starting with the character talking about an argument. The emotions slide from pleasant nostalgia to recollection of anger through to loss and sadness. But what to pick to illustrate that? Jam and jelly. It's a personal thing. I call blueberry jam jam, and my wife calls it jelly is the most trivial at the point of being laughable, and thus was the perfect segue needed for this scene. Then he gives an example from the dialogue about jam and jelly. And then he says, jam and jelly, there's no writing book, no school that can teach about jam and jelly and all the other stupid things couples argue about, except life. And it's when you're writing the script that we as an audience discover how well you've been paying attention to your own life and those lives around you. Hmm. And so I think specificity in stories not only gives it a sense of real life, but also gives you a sense of truthfulness. A sense of, no, look, I'm not, this is not just something made up. It, it communicates something true. Tim, you yeah. recently read, or read, wrote Darian's story, or at least, yeah. At first, yes. Yes. The, the a prologue short story. And you had a whole story in your head before you wrote it, basically, right? Yeah, pretty much. And then if you, I remember right, as you're writing it, suddenly you're like, wait a second, the world has to do something here I haven't figured out yet. Yeah, that's true. Which is always annoying because the important beats have been in the head for a long time. But you're like, well, wait, but how does this world handle such and such sort of thing? How does it work? Exactly. And I think that's the both the wonder and the challenge of specifics in storytelling, especially as a creator, and we can get to the consumer part in a bit, is the fact that those details are the hardest part. You know, you get the idea, oh, I'm going to write a story about this guy and he's going to fight a dragon. But when you write the story, suddenly you're like, well, what's the landscape? What's the weather? What does my guy look like? And all those things is what makes it a story. Yeah. Okay, so here, here's my example I've been thinking about this yeah. week because we just happened to watch on Tuesday, Raya and the Last Dragon. Okay, which I have not seen yet, but my whole family has. Okay, so I'll, I'll talk about it gener in general ah, terms. Fine, yeah. You, you, they probably told They've you the all whole seen story. it, so yeah. So my main critique about the movie is that on one hand it's a movie that does a lot of world building and yet somehow doesn't feel like it does quite enough okay because it has all these nations and there's this whole thing how the world works but at the end i still had a lot of questions about why certain things happened mm -hmm. um 
you could just say, oh, it's just a story. But that, in some ways, I kind of feel like also, like, in compare. So, Raya came out just last year. Yeah. And in comparison to the other Disney movie that came out last year, <laughs> Encanto. Oh, man. I'd say Encanto is way better because it has, it's just a much more fleshed out story. I mean, it's a different focus. Raya yeah. is like this, has, is this epic quest journey thing across several different countries and along a river and stuff. And, Encanto is like a family drama, but Encanto feels more lived in, whereas, in my opinion, Raya is very pretty. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. It's a very pretty movie, but it also feels a little bit more generic. And I think the lack of specificity in some of the world building mm-hmm. is what makes it feel a little bit more generic. Well, I think that's the danger as a writer is that you can get, you can you can be specific in a way that like all these elements in this world fit together or you can be specific in the sense that, well, I need something over here, so I'll fill it in with some yeah. paint. Yeah, I almost got the impression sometimes that some of their answers for things were working off of fairy tale logic. Mm-hmm. But the problem is that fairy tale logic works in its own setting. But when you add a certain level of detail to mm-hmm. your fantasy world, you can't get away with doing that. Yeah. I mean, okay, Doctor Who does some fairy tale kind of stuff. But, but what I mean is, like, again, you've given actual names of places, you've given some discussion about how your magic system works yeah. at least sort of so when you say okay this is how this works but this other stuff you just kind of go with it it feels like you're cheating a little bit and to talk about Encanto which you've not seen guys go watch but like the detail on that not just visually though visually it's ridiculously detailed but just sure. everything all the character interactions everything feels very true and super fleshed out so there's this thing on the internet where, well, at least I get on Facebook because I must have clicked something once upon a time and now they show me 10 of them. Where it's always <laughs> like fans of filling the show, Mandalorian, Avengers, Unconto, whatever. Fans of whatever are pointing out 20 details that we can't miss anymore. You know, like, <laughs> and that's just a thing. And like Encanto, my daughter had an Encanto birthday, my other daughter, recently. So we print out all these pictures. But like, Maribel, if you look at the stitching on her dress. Is that all her family? It's all, I mean, it's crazy. I mean. Yeah, it's, there's lots of detail and it's all, the family dynamics in that movie feel very, very extremely thought out. There, and that's the thing. I guess when I say specific, I also mean true or realistic. And I don't mean that like it has to be a realistic show. Like I said, fairy tale level, there's a certain amount of realism in fairy tales. But if you move up the ladder... Yeah. You gotta I mean, keep up. You can go super abstract with fairy tales where you're all like, you know, Aesop's fables, where it's like the chicken, the yeah. dog, the knight, the princess. They don't even have names. Yeah. The level is a different level, but everything plays on the same right. level. Right. Yeah. Meanwhile, you know, you were in Lord of the Rings with the kids and the specificity is way up. Yeah. Uh-huh. But like if suddenly Tolkien like just skimmed over, like not only is his landscape, specific but so is his history so it's like all the interactions between all the people in hobbiton i mean it's all evenly specific sure uh-huh. <laughs> yeah oh and i mean and there are like they do reference olden times of the history of middle earth and there mm-hmm. are things that you don't know about that you can fill in with your imagination but again those are very specific periods of middle earth history that's yeah. that he's talking about and the fact that you even have details about history is much more specific and and i guess i think what you were getting at earlier the the more details you give to a story the more it builds its own character its own it it makes it more unique another book i'd read recently i mentioned it very briefly on last month's podcast is uh swim in the pond in the rain 
which was kind of a book about these Russian short stories and kind of a book about writing and kind of a book about life. But one thing, and I, I couldn't find the quote from the book. I don't, maybe there wasn't one, but one of the things he kept put, pointing out is that writing, at least as he saw it from these Russian writers, is largely to continually narrow your view. Mm. That it's not just the girl, it's this certain type of girl in a certain type of setting, doing a certain, you know, that the art of storytelling is one by one picking more and more details, which gets rid of a thousand other ones you could have chose, mm-hmm. and making one story, the, the story that you're writing. Sure. And he had some, and I was trying to find a good example from the book, but he had some good ones, but he would talk about, you know, you're writing, like, the girl sat on the couch. Well, he would change the sentence around, like, oh, give her a name or what kind of couch, and then why is that important? And if it's not important, why is she even sitting on the couch? And, you know, <laughs> all this sort of stuff. All those things that go through your head as a writer without you thinking about them going through your head uh-huh. in some ways. You just make choices, and the more choices you make, the more things you can't do any longer. Yeah. I guess it's not unlike the sculpting metaphor where yeah. you've got a block of granite and you're constantly chipping things out of your block mm-hmm. to basically make the form that you're rich, you know, wind up with. And I think this sometimes when you write longer stuff, you start a story, and by the time you get to the end of the story, you have to revise the beginning. Oh, sure. Because suddenly you realize... Half the stuff I wrote either doesn't make, doesn't fit anymore. We have gotten so specific, you know, I've ruled it out. Uh-huh. Or it's at a different level of specificity that needs to be. Yeah. Or you've found more details yeah. that you didn't know about earlier. You didn't know on. about earlier. Yeah. So I think that sculpting that metaphor is really good. That idea that normally we don't start with all these details in our head. Normally, at least for me, I just come up with a, I start with an idea. Sure. Sure. And then now some people come. I know some people come up with characters and like they can envision the whole thing, the person in their head and everything and write a dossier for. <laughs> like, I can't do that. Yeah. Well, I think there's usually a mix of the two. I mean, even for what I wrote with Darian's story, I like I said, I had the, the main outlines and there were certain surprises like, okay, what do these guards' u- uniforms look like? I got to come up with that at the spot now. But there are other things I knew I wouldn't actually carve out until i got there like okay there's going to be an action sequence here yeah. okay not until i actually get you know into thick of it and actually get to that scene do i start planning out what's the choreography what's yeah. how, how is this going to play out and characters are interesting with specificity too because i've had complaint not complaints but with some of my characters that they're hard to write for other people in some of our shared projects because they are very themselves sure like Kalia it's hard for Nathan will complain it's hard to write because Kalia from Children of the Children Wells, Wells, which is still children of the Wells.com. It's still a web fiction project that is available. You can get it. It's not finished, but there's good stuff. It's not active, but yeah. But she's a complicated character, and there's a lot of things that seem like you she could do, but don't fit. Hmm. And I think the more character becomes defined, the harder it is for other people, I think, to write them. Oh, interesting. Because there's a lot of things that are uniquely the, and you know you can, you can do it but it takes more you gotta keep all the details in it especially with the very complicated characters yeah okay i can i can see that i mean you obviously have an idea in your head about how she works and stuff and yeah. a lot of that gets onto the page but at the same time clearly in particular is difficult because a lot of the other characters around her have a hard time relating to her so yeah. it has a certain internal consistency but there's the iceberg metaphor. There's probably more under the surface that is not necessarily picked up by another writer right away. Some examples from literature about, I think any great writer that people say, hey, he's a great writer, is also good at being very, very detailed. Like we recently read Dickens. Uh-huh. Dickens is amazing at painting 
very specific characters with very specific quirks and very specific locations. Nothing mm-hmm. feels like generalized or or a stereotype necessarily. It might have started that way, but Pip is very much there's just a Pip. There's just a Wemmick. There's just a Jaggers. I think Dostoevsky does the same way, but in like in mental space. Like he's very true to life. It's very specific to how people actually work. Uh-huh. Miyazaki, I think, visually does this. Like his films just seem very engaging because there's just things moving everywhere. A lot of George Lucas is this way too. There's just stuff moving all the time. Although Miyazaki is an interesting choice to bring up because his fantasy worlds are in some ways not as specific as other ones. And here's a question. And I was thinking about this. I, I come from this from a lot from a written point of view. I feel like specificity in, in visual mediums is different. Mm. I guess I think of Miyazaki as, as visually specific, not necessarily plot specific. Yeah, like m- most of his movies, you're not going to see a very specific magic system or like a countries laid out and uh, political situations. And I sometimes feel like the strength of, I mean, almost a good movie demands an eye for detail visually almost more than it does for an eye for detail plot-wise. Well, certainly in animation because yeah. you're bringing sometimes inanimate objects to life. Yeah. And how do you do that? What's the... Uh, how does a, a pot move around yeah. or, or, what, or a little puffball or what have you? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, their eye is, very, is often specifically on movement. Yeah. And so, yeah, that's a visual. And I think uh, it's just a different, I mean, there, there's different types of specificity. But I think the visual medium has a whole different realm of it that the written medium doesn't. Yeah. In a way that's, I think I've talked about this on here before, that for a new filmmaker, attempting director, that can get kind of overwhelming. Yeah. Um, Misen saying is the idea of everything in the frame. How, what, how does that all contribute to the overall story? And so if you're looking at like every frame should be like a painting, mm-hmm. it's like, mm-hmm. holy cow, I could get in a 90 minute movie or even a five minute movie. I can get lots of details to work out and specify and that can get kind of overwhelming. Well, I think that's the same in the written word, but different in the sense that like in a perfect story, Every detail, every specific detail matters. Mm-hmm. You know, all the you only describe what matters. You only the location's just right, the time's just right, the characters are just right. We've talked about clothing in a previous podcast. All that becomes the story. Yeah, and I guess you are making decisions about how detailed of a story you're telling. Yeah, I mean, most stories are not going to be as abstract as an Aesop's Fables. But they don't necessarily all have to have the minute detail of a Robert Jordan, Wheel of Time, yeah, or, exactly. or even Tolkien. And I guess Tolkien, one reason he sticks around, I think, is because his world's so detailed. Another reason Wheel of Time sticks around because his world's so detailed. I mean, <laughs> mm-hmm. but, flat, but you, you would say the detail is different between those it's two. It's very authors. different. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But yeah, there's a resonance b- between the details. I don't know if that's the right way to say it. Like, all the details fit. In Lord of the Rings, together. Sure. All the details in Robert Jordan, Wheel of Time, fit together. There's nothing that seems like, oh, that shouldn't be there. Out of place. Out of place. Except every once in a while, when Sanderson took over, it wants to be like, does that fit? Okay, let's move. I know we're kind of jumping from yeah, from books to movies again. Go for it, yeah. But talking about worlds that should have a certain feel to it. Yeah. Star Wars. Yes. Every now and then you see there's something in one of the more recent things that sometimes people are like, ah, that doesn't feel star quite Star Wars yeah. enough. Like in most recently in Boba Fett, there were some complaints about like the biker gang. Oh, yeah, yeah. Because they looked 
it looks weird. It yeah. Look like that. I mean, I, I, I it was close. It was close. It looks vaguely Coruscant-ish, yeah. which seemed like they did seem a little out of place on Tatooine. Yeah. But and then of course we've complained before about the Last Jedi that weird Canto bite or whatever yeah. that place is called the the casino planet which is just it's harder to know what it is exactly but like like all the casinos in Boba Fett work yeah yeah but for some reason Canto bite didn't yeah and I think that's the trick the the benefit of specific details is that it makes the story the character you know it gives the story a being of its own mm. but if all the parts don't fit together something's weird it's like you know something's missing to the body you've created or been like it's some <laughs> the, sort of weird mutant yeah frankenstein yeah. somehow yeah, yeah and i think that especially with long standing things that have a very specific style like star wars you just sort of have a nose or a, almost a visual reaction when you're like that doesn't quite work somehow yeah and I feel like this is somehow what happens with some of these science fiction shows that like they think they want to be a Star Wars or a Star Trek or some sort of, and they just don't feel complete. Mm. You know, they're like, they have the space and the aliens, but everything just feels like they don't exist at the same level. Well, I do wonder if sometimes moving away from the visual elements, mm-hmm. looking at like the undergirding of a story structure... I mean, I do wonder if this is going to be the ongoing complaint about the sequel trilogy, the fact that they didn't have a... Well, this this may be getting onto a different topic. I mean, the fact that structurally-wise... And you can even say this about Book of Boba Fett. It had a strange yeah. structure. Yeah. So, if, And I don't know if there's a problem with when you don't make specific choices, like, mm. say, the sequel trilogy didn't, yeah. about what your arc is going to be. Yeah. I mean... Yes, the original trilogy was kind of made one movie at a time, too, and it's hard to say that you had a, a big arc, but like it was also following a much more traditional structure than the sequel trilogy and, did. And you had Lucas behind it, who, whatever you think of him, has a very distinct vision. Vision. His yeah. details fit together because they're all Lucas. Yeah. And there's <laughs> one true. guy that bring it all in, so there's a certain amount of continuity mm-hmm. just from that. Yeah, that's true. Um, I was going to say, having written a number of flash fictions... You would think in a thousand words you wouldn't, you'd just get straight to the point. But I've found that the trick to writing good flash fiction, you need to be its own thing. You only have a thousand words to impress someone. Mm-hmm. So you almost have to pick your details very carefully because you only get a few of them to create a flavor, a mood. I mean, it's like flavor text in some ways from, you know, that's kind of the, isn't that the jargon for, I think Aaron, our friend Aaron would say, like you have these mechanics that make the game. Uh-huh. The flavor is all the stuff you put on top of it, all the stuff that makes it feel real. In a board game or a video game, Or a video game, yeah, Yeah. exactly. Because the mechanics might be the same. In story structure, it's they say there's like nine story that all the books go to or whatever. Nine basic plots. That sort of thing. But it doesn't matter because the details is what matters. Who cares if it's... I mean, Star Wars is the same thing as a million other stories, but it's the the attention to detail that makes it work. Mm Mm-hmm. So flash fiction, I found a lot of times you have to very quickly establish a unique place, character, setting, style, something to even make it be a thing. So it's not just some guy doing something. Yeah, it's not another kick butt heroine that's going to collect the pieces to yeah. save the world and restore the dragons. And so the the details are what make, especially flash fiction. Yeah. But I think any story. Yeah, and actually, also, um. I've heard it pointed out that comedy, this is important for comedy, too. Oh, that's true. That's, yeah. Because, like, details can be funny. Like, it's, if Bugs Bunny just said, oh, no, I I knew I should have turned the other direction three hours ago, 
That's not nearly as funny no. as I should have turned left at Albuquerque. Albuquerque, yeah, exactly. Or uh, like in the Muppet movie when Steve Martin gives Piggy and <laughs> and Kermit a bottle, he doesn't just say, oh, "Here's some wine." It's like sparkling Muscatel, one of the finest wines of Idaho. <laughs> <laughs> just exactly that, that weird detail about like Idaho doesn't strike us as a very uh, sophisticated place necessarily. No offense to any of you from Idaho, but but it's it just that one specific idea that that's funny. And it's the hardest part about comedy, actually, is the details. Because true. I remember we had, were you around Taylor when they ran that Friday Night Live? Yeah, I was I was in it one year. Okay. But I remember. Which basically, it was basically kind of a takeoff of Saturday Night Live. It's just a skit show. A caution of skits, yeah. But I remember Aaron or someone complained that like people come with ideas like, hey, we should do these guys doing like doing this. And the pitch sounds fine, but the problem is, how do you write it? Yeah. I mean, what, what do you do Ideas with that? are easy. Yeah. Anyone can come up with an idea. Uh-huh. It's how do you make it How do you flesh real? it out? How do you flesh it out? Yeah. And that the putting the skin on something is the is the hard work of picking this color or this name or this location or this punch or this mm-hmm. It's basically just a, a lot of creation, it's just a million little choices yeah. done consciously or unconsciously to create a thing that hopefully holds together. It's Writing stories sometimes, you're like, how can this possibly hold together? Because you just keep making choices and hope they all fit. Work somehow. Yeah. Yeah. And usually, even in comedy, the best choices are not unless you're just, here's a random thing. It's like, oh, man, where did that come from? But like, there's a deeper layer of funny behind it. So that's why you make that specific choice. And it's like, we mentioned Cleese one time, right? About creativity. John Cleese. John Cleese. We, in one of our episodes where, you know, we talk about not only do you have to find the specific, but sometimes the longer you think about it, the better you can, the more you can hone that. Mm-hmm. You know, you can say, turn right at Philadelphia, but that's not funny. Albuquerque is just a funny word. <laughs> yeah, it's true. In the middle of nowhere. Uh-huh. You know, this is why Weird Al has a song called Albuquerque. He yeah. couldn't put it anywhere in the country, but... Albuquerque. It's a ridiculous word. <laughs> it's true. Is there anything we want to say from? We've talked a lot, or I've talked a lot about the creator side. Do we want to talk anything about the consumer consumer side? Well, this discussion is one of those where you can extrapolate things to like, okay, well, why didn't this work, or why mm-hmm. why did such and such story feel generic? That's true. Yeah, uh, the generic. Yeah, exactly. I, th- I think the generic is often comes from a lack of courage in making more. I mean, it sounds weird to say, like, they made this entire movie without making specific choices. Well, of course, they had to make some, but... They made safe choices. They made safe choices and not necessarily... And so, or, like, or, if, you, if you feel like you've seen something before or, like, elements of, a, of something before, it probably means the choices they made were... Uh, generic, the ones almost self-chosen. I yeah, mean, they were almost yeah. they were almost the default. Like they didn't think yeah, through making go. the choice. They just followed what people had already chosen before. Like, yeah, people enjoy these emoji things on their phones. It's like a, make a movie out of it. Why yeah. not? <laughs> well, and you know the funny thing is, even in like kind of bad movies or like generic movies, usually the best part is something that is a little off. It's a little unique. To it's a little movie. unique. Yeah. It's like this is why. This scene stuck out because they made some sort of unique choice I hadn't seen before. Well, heck, sometimes that's why a bad movie shows up on Mystery Science Theater 3000. Yeah. I mean, sometimes they have just super boring bad movies. But it's usually a lot more fun if they're bad because for a specific reason. Yeah, someone chose badly. (laughs) (laughs) Like, why would you have this uh, make this movie about the puppet in a backpack? (laughs) (laughs) Why is Thumbelina inside another movie? (laughs) No, but I think that's true, is that 
you know, we've talked about stereotypes and everything before. And so that whole tension between just going with what's been done before and then making something, and I think a unique choice, not just making it a new choice, but also making one that resonates with your story or just resonates with real life. Mm-hmm. Everyone once while reading like Great Expectations, Dickens would say something like, that's exactly how life is. And it was just... Or how people are. Or how people are. Yeah. When, when they, Pip and his friend um, Herbert, they were trying to get a hold of all their debt. So they like, they calculate all their things up, they ring it up, they add them together, like, yes, we've taken care of it. You know, just by like organizing it. <laughs> yeah. And it was hilarious, but I'm also like, yeah, that's how people work. It's like you, you accomplished some task, you didn't finish the task. But it doesn't but matter, you're done. You feel better about it. You feel better about it. Because you accomplished something. <laughs> this is how video games work. And this is, this is how all, you know, this is how people talk about movies and TV consumers. They're like, that scene, I understood that. You sure. know, that that resonated. That was something specifically true. Yeah. And it's interesting because some people would think or lean towards the more general something is, the more related. I mean, there's a, I mean, there's a little bit of abstract art that kind of has that aspect to yeah. it. And we'll tackle that next time, guys. <laughs> we, can, we can talk. Yeah, we will talk about ambiguity next episode. But it is interesting that, like, people don't necessarily want to always play as the silent protagonist in video games. Yeah. The, the one that the its idea is kind of a self-insert. No, they, I mean, that's okay. But they, they like also having characters who have their own agency, almost, that, who, who have a personality. Almost the more specific, like, a scene is, or like a, it's the guy, girl, the cute meat sort of thing. The more specific it is, the more people are like, oh, I understand that. Mm. And it was just general. No one, everyone's just, like, vaguely... Vaguely connected, yeah. So there's a lot of benefit to being, even if it seems, even if you think that might alienate people. I really think being more specific actually brings more people in. I think trying to appeal to everyone, you're going to appeal to less people than if you appeal to a very specific style, yeah, or idea. Because people aren't blobs. We we all have specific interests and yeah. desires, and even though we have share common ground. And people can read in. They can read the common in. They want to see it done unique. Like, okay, everyone loves Pride and Prejudice. Most people are not either as Elizabeth or Darcy. But everyone seems to understand the emotions in that relationship. Mm -hmm. And I think being specific is actually better for communicating with people than being, like you said, general. This is why Jesus doesn't give a general answer. He gives a specific answer. Well, story. A story. Um, story. This is why when academics write stuff, it makes no sense because they use big words that are very vague. (laughs) But like when you're trying to explain something to a, you know, well, what is the sun? I just read Silver Chair, guys. What is the sun? Well, it's like a lamp, but you put it on the wall. You know, anyways, this is why language has metaphors and personification, all those poetry terms you learned in school. Because the entire movement of communication is to be as specific as possible with people. Anyways, that's my thing. <laughs> this is well, my, my my students were like, why do we have to learn this? And so I like I literally give them a lecture every time about why we're learning it and they still ask me. So you, so but, this is a soapbox you've been sitting on for Oh a while. yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> like why do we have to learn poetry or grammar? Like because they're we want to communicate with each other. Anyways, yeah. <laughs> well, nicely done, Nick. Yes. I'll, I'll pull you off your soapbox. All for right, a little thank bit. you. <laughs> and so we can move on into soundtrack. All right, everybody. For soundtrack today, I decided to pick something very specific. 
there's this genre called vaporware, which I had never heard of, but apparently is this kind of ironic take on like 90s commercial culture in sound. I don't get it. But anyways, there's a remix from The Legend of Zelda Skyward Sword called Takayabu Resort Promo Package 1991. So he's pretending to be this soundtrack to this resort promo for of this fictional Japanese resort resort <laughs> in this vaporware style. And I thought, well, if that isn't specific, I don't know what is. Now it's a it's a strange style, but it's not a long song. So And who who did this? Oh, one? sorry. Uh, Michael Hudak. All right. Well or Hudak, I don't know. All right. Well, enjoy. Enjoy. And we're back. Well, I hope you folks are still with us. I mean, that's not, of all the music Nick has played on the podcast, it's probably not the weirdest No, thing. no, the weirdest. It's just, it's more of an experience than like, I'm just listening for fun. Sure. It is time for our next segment. This is a new one, or a relatively new one to the podcast. It is called Once Upon a Sentence. 
So we introduced this segment last episode and uh, where we basically read a sentence from a book and we challenge you, the listener, to name that book that it's from. Our sentence last time, we didn't get any emails, unfortunately, at least not as of this recording. If you send it in after the fact, we will acknowledge it. But if you have been wondering where that sentence came from, it was from The Silver Chair by C.S. Lewis. A classic from the confrontation between Puddle Glum and the Emerald Witch. I guess they don't ever name her exactly. No, she's the the Lady of the Green Curl. Yeah. I remember like one of the back covers of the Silver Chair called her the Emerald Witch, kind of hinting that she's in the same family as the White Witch. Well, I believe in the BBC old ones, the same lady plays both the White Witch and the Green Witch. Oh, really? Yeah. I'm not sure I ever picked up on that. Yeah. Okay. I mean, makes some sense. Narnia... Is that real specific it's, on... It's not super specific on its world building. <laughs> Which is why Tolkien did not care for his all of it. That's true. But anyway, that's a great scene. And, it is um, a wonderful scene. But now, Nick, you have a new sentence from another book. I have a new sentence from another book. If you've read this book, you should be able to get this one. All right, so let's, let's hear okay. it. It is a far, far better thing that I do than I have ever done. It is a far, far better rest I go to than I have ever known. Okay, technically that was two sentences. Uh, semicolon. That was a semicolon. Yeah, yeah, it is technically one sentence. Okay, okay. Well, let's hear it one more time. All right. It is a far, far better thing that I do than I have ever done. It is a far, far better rest that I go to than I have ever known. Actually, we did not talk about this beforehand, and I recognize it, but I'm not entirely certain about this. Myself. Is this this is from an actual book? Yes, this is, yeah, this is a classic book. Okay. Like we, just so you guys know, we'll pick from like basically classic books that you know are well known in circles. Oh, I think I have an idea. But anyway, listeners, this is now your chance to chime in and tell us. You can email us at derailedtrains at gmail.com for your shout outs and internet kudos. If you can figure out what book is this sentence from. With that said, it is time to go on to our next segments for the day. It's came from the interwebs. Okay, it's been a while, Nick. It has I, been. I want to say it's been almost a year, it's believe it or not. Last time we were talking about like pyramids of Jerry Maguire, weren't we? Yes, and... Um, Is that Zillow Gone Wild as well? Zillow and Zillow Gone Wild. Which, still, which still blesses my life. <laughs> <laughs> Indeed. But uh, so this is a segment where we showcase some interesting finds from the internet. Although, Nick, you tell me that this time you found a quiz. Qu- I, that tends to be my thing with these quizzes. We had like the William Faulkner or Machine Translate German one time. We had the Tolkien or uh, Antidepressant the other time. Uh-huh. So this is. This is almost a pseudo challenge accepted. It kind of quizzes. is. It's an interweb challenge, but there's. Yeah. Yeah. We can do either way. All right, go for it. What, so, what are you quizzing me on, sir? So we were talking about one aspect of being specific is, is communicating clearly. Okay. Well, the internet has all these lists of words we don't have in English that communicate a very specific thing. Okay. So I found a quiz giving these foreign words that communicate very specific things, and you only have two choices for each. Oh, foreign words. Foreign words. Oh, okay. Like, you've ever I, seen these, like, like... I thought maybe you were using, like, internet speak here. No, or, or these are foreign words... That we don't have in English that communicate emotions or feelings okay. that everyone has, but we don't have a good word for it. Okay, nice. So I'm going to try to pr- pronounce these. I don't. I mean, they're foreign. <laughs> and you have two choices for each one. Okay, so I, I, I will have a multiple choice. Yes. Yeah, you need a choice. Sure. Does this quiz give you the, the name? Well, I get to hear the name of 
which language it's from? I uh, will see. I don't okay. know. Okay. Right. I think this is German. Vorfunrechweck. Vorfunrechweck. All right. Okay. It can either mean intense, joyful anticipation derived from imagining future pleasure. Okay. Or the impact being observed that has on one's behavior. What does it start with? V. V. Vor for ref vec. I want it to be the first one. Okay. Intense, joyful anticipation. We do this all the time, actually. We need a word for this. Yeah. You are wrong. Ah. This German word often refers to the way something might have been e- been easier to do unobserved that becomes difficult once you're under you're being watched. Oh. So it's that feeling okay. like I normally can do this just fine, but now they're yeah. watching me teach and yeah. I, I get this all the time when someone is trying to show me where uh something with like a pewter file and like yeah. it's just under here and suddenly my, my eyes go blurry and like, wait, what what's what letter does that come after and where's it yeah. We need that word. Yeah. We need a specific word for that. Okay. All right. Next word. Ligget. L I G E T. Okay. Ligget. Is it an intense urge to pinch something really cute? My my daughter, if it if that's what it means, my daughter has it. Okay. Two, a powerful energy running through and out of the body. Do you know what language this is from? I do not. I'm going almost blind to this as well. A powerful urge. What? An intense urge to pinch something really cute. Okay. What was the second one? A powerful energy running through and out of the body. Oh, gosh. This could be either. Um, I'll go... Mm, <laughs> mer- Let's do the second one. Second one. All right. Let's see. You're correct. All right. It is used by the Ilongit tribe in the Philippines to describe a high voltage feeling. Isn't this a, a, category, a type of uh, one of the things in Balderdash? Probably. Something like, like that, yeah. Like you come up with the fake, the words, fake yep. definitions for words. Apparently, the urge to pinch something cute is called Pangiligilgil <laughs> in Tagalog. <laughs> so there is a word for that, too. <laughs> It's spelled P A N G G I G I G I L. Oh, that's so cute. I just want to pinch it. <laughs> All right. I think this is some sort of oriental language. Jing Shu. Okay. The fear of missing out or nostalgic longing for one's homeland. Uh, I'm going to the second one there. You are wrong. Really? It's basically FOMO. Uh, yeah, I was gonna say that's yeah. If you're missing out, that's uh, that's internet speak. Yeah. So, happens. so we kind of have one in English. Yeah, now. we we made one. Yeah. yeah. Often it connotes a selfish, grasping attitude. Okay. okay. Well, I'm one for two. One for three. Or one for three. One here, for three. So I'm not doing yep. too great. Okay. Shin my pilau. Shin my pilau. Okay. I'm sure that is not how you pronounce it. No, I'm I'm butchering every one of these. I apologize to all the languages. <laughs> I need I need a language. I need a I need a word for apologizing for for mispronouncing everything. I'm surprised they don't have like a pronunciation guide, but this must not be that elaborate. No, of a no, quiz. I couldn't find a good. Everyone had good uh, just def- definition. It's hard to find a good quiz, so I'm like on BuzzFeed. Oh, so. <laughs> okay, okay. Exposure to so much beauty that one ceases to appreciate it. Okay. Or intermingled feelings of sadness and joy. Which sounds like Charlie Brown. <laughs> All right, what was the what Ex- was the word again? Uh, Shin my plow, and one of extreme joy or no, expo- well, intermingled feelings of sadness and joy, uh-huh. or exposure to so much beauty that one ceases to appreciate it. Ooh, those are good definitions. Those are. Yeah, what? The heck? I'll go with the second one again. You are wrong. Ah, it means be. It's Chinese to be. Aesthetically overwhelmed. Okay. All right. All right. 
Uh, kafune. 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 Right. The gesture of running one's fingers through a loved one's hair or artful disentanglement from trouble. I'm going to the second one again. You are wrong. It is, really? <laughs> it, is a, uh, it is a word in Brazil used to talk about the gesture of running one's fingers through a loved one's hair. Wow. Well, okay. <laughs> You're not very good at these words. Tim. No, I'm not. I mean, there's no context okay, for any of these. Here's here. I'm going to attempt to pronounce this one. Ready? Yeah. Pai. Wow. That's, here, that's I'll show a long you. word. Yep, that is a long word. Is it the shared look of desire between two people too shy to make the first move? Okay. Or the feeling of meeting someone and knowing you will fall in love with them? I'm going on a streak here because uh, I've been picked the second time and I've been wrong for several times. Yeah. But odds are it will eventually be right. So I'm going with the second one again. You are wrong. <laughs> <laughs> it is the shared look of desire between two people too shy to make the first move. Wow. This is a very specific word. It is. And I and the other reason I didn't pick it is I thought it sounded too American. So, <laughs> it so. is from, is a Yaghan, Yaghan word, is once voted the most succinct word in the Guinness Book of World Records. <laughs> from where? Yaghan? It's Y-A-G-H-A-N. They are an indigenous people of South America. Oh, okay. Well, kudos. I mean, I guess, yeah, it's a very specific word, but it's a very human emotion. Yeah, there so, you go. Good for you. It's basically DTR. <laughs> yeah. Pre-DTR. Pre-DTR. Uh, spec. Okay. Is it a ridiculous plan, usually thought up while drunk, <laughs> <laughs> or excess weight gained from emotional overeating? spec. See, I'm torn now because <laughs> my instinct says that it should be the first one because I like, I like that that pairing better but yeah. i've i've been going with the second one for so often it's like if i switch now I've, i just know i'm gonna get wrong so i'll go with the second one again all right here we go you are correct okay i knew eventually these test people it literally means around. grief bacon grief bacon <laughs> over emotional overeating grief bacon <laughs> <laughs> That's so, not what I eat when I'm emotional. So apparently, but I, I, I won't. Uh, I won't discredit bacon as a schnapsidy is the ridiculous drunken plan. There is a word for it. Okay, schnapsidy. <laughs> That's like basically how the entire Guardians of the Galaxy runs. <laughs> okay, a few more. Trepverder. Trepverder. Someone who seems to have nothing but bad luck, or a witty comeback you think of only after it's too late to use, <laughs> which we've all had. Yes. Yes. I uh, hope it's that one, actually. I, I will pick the first one, though. You're incorrect. Again. It Wait, is. Uh, I'm, I'm such a Trepverter in this game. <laughs> it's, that's a Yiddish word. Oh, right. Yes. So wait, what? So actually, it's not actually the bad luck thing. It's the other one. It's the witty comeback. The witty comeback thing. Yeah. Okay. Which is also maybe. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Two more. Yep. Como Rebi. Como Rebi? Como Rebi. I don't know. Anyways, when sunlight filters through the trees okay. or leaving a book unread after buying it. I wanted it to be the second one again. That one is, I need a word for that. <sighs> I'm trying to figure out if I go with the artistic thing or the more like everyday life. And we haven't been thing. talking about it, but each of the, both examples have a word for them. Okay. That's true. We haven't talked about all the other ones, but yeah. these aren't just made up things. These are like, not made up. Like, yeah. These are literal action. possible words. Um, so what was the actual word? When, uh, como Rebi. Como Rebi. Rebi, I don't know. Who knows how the These balls. are all like really obscure languages too, so it's not yeah. like you can like piece it together. Just, from... Yeah, we just need to add all these words. Like I always talked about here, my son's word he made up that needs to be in word, Chumala. 
Maybe, but remind me. Chumala is something that was worth doing once, but not again. Uh-huh. Like, that date was Chumala. Like, it was a fine date, but I don't want to take her out on a second date. Has your son been on a lot of these No, dates? or f- he used it for food. <laughs> he uses it for food. Like, oh, okay. it wasn't bad, but don't make it again, Mom. <laughs> okay, for recipes. Yeah, I yeah. Can, Chumala. I can see that. Yeah, that does that have a lot of good potential use. You'll have to remind him of that when he starts dating. Yes, yes. <laughs> oh, that feel? Chumala, that one. <laughs> <laughs> okay um anyway back to when the light filters through the trees or leaving a book unread after buying it i'll go with the second one I, my instinct said the first one but i've been wrong a you lot, were so. correct incorrect you were incorrect it was the sunlight filters through the trees. it is the first one. Oh, see early on i was trying i was trying to go for what like it seemed more culturally appropriate and like yeah. shoot, that sounds very like sounds very asian yeah. light filtering through the trees yeah. but oh well. now Tsundoku is a Japanese word referring to laying books pile up after buying them. Okay. Which, last one. All right. Mm-boom. Let's see. It's MB. How do you say that? <laughs> Mbuki Mavuki. <laughs> Look at this. Look. Mbuki Mavuki. <laughs> is it A, to shed clothes in order to dance, or community togetherness? Mabuki Mabuki. I hope it's the first one. <laughs> okay. I really want it to be the first one. You are correct. Yes. It's to shed clothes and to dance. I got one more. You got three out of ten. Oh, you scored better than eleven percent of other quiz takers. Now I guess that doesn't really it doesn't specify how many clothes you're shedding in order <laughs> That's to dance. True. So it's Swahili for um to dance wildly. Yeah. Okay. Literally. That's what it means. Oh, literally. Okay. Literally it means to dance wildly. Okay, because I mean, like that could just mean take off your sport shoes, coat. kick off your Sunday shoes, kick, kick off your Sunday Mavuki shoes, Mavuki or, <laughs> or it could mean you're wearing a lot less than that. Yeah, uh, yes. <laughs> I don't know what they do in Swahili, but oh goodness. Well, that was that all right. Was... So, anyways, I thought it was interesting because there's a lot of emotions that it would be nice to have a very specific word for. Yeah, there you go. Okay, well, my turn for yes, our, your turn. Our internet show and tell. A lot of times when I look for stuff for interwebs, I go to uh, social media sites because that's where, unfortunately, a lot of the internet takes place now. That's true. But one of those is Reddit. We've not spent a whole lot of time on Reddit, but Reddit has a lot of communities in it, so they call them subreddits. Sometimes these are on very specific topics. Oh, okay. So that's why I thought it'd be fun to look up and uh, see if I... Some very specific things people enjoy. Yes, indeed. So we'll start off with... Let's see. This one's just called Pictures of 2003 to 2005 Sunfires. Oh, wow. Okay. These very specific uh, Pontiac Sunfires. So a group of people love these things. These cars. Or they love them or they just like... Are they... I don't know. Or like, do they just think it's like a meme at level thing? It just the about the community says you are in the sexiest subreddit <laughs> in all of Reddit. Nothing but pictures of 03 to 05 sunfires. So somewhere ha- half realistic and half tongue in cheek. I suppose so. Uh, I think some of these live in that area, but it's like okay, that's a very specific car to be a fan of, I guess. Two thousand, yeah, yeah. It's they just have they just post a lot of pictures of There's it. A lot of pictures. Here's someone talking about the gas mileage they get. Someone talking about the radio. So if you have this particular type of car, two thousand three, two thousand five, you have a community that's waiting for you. But you know, someday I'll have to put in a story now a two thousand three Sunfire. And this number of people will be like, yes, finally. Yes. Representation. I don't need any more of these uh, Ashton Martins or anything like that. <laughs> All right. So next we have Wallet Bermuda Triangle Hobbies. Wait, what? I have no idea why it's called that, but this is a subreddit for people that enjoy mechanical keyboards. 
headphones, and fountain pens to post pictures of their setup and converse about all things keyboards, headphones, and pens. Wait, wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> I don't quite understand what those things have in common. Yeah, that's what I'm trying. Like, I get, I kind of get the keyboards. I guess I kind of get pens, but I don't get them wide to get. <laughs> With headphones, it's like so. Is, that, is, there, is there a certain job where you use all three of those at once? Probably. The, so yes, this this uh, community has a bunch of pictures of people's keyboards, and usually they're they're very pretty keyboards. They're nice. They're. I mean, if I was a fan of all these things together, these are nice pictures. Yeah, they have very colorful keyboards. Usually, some like unique custom colors or something. See, I, I feel like the headphones, the keyboards make sense, and then the pen must be. I don't understand the pen. I guess. I, I, I have no idea, but that's a very specific combination that they have dedicated yes, themselves to. It, yeah, it's true. So, those, are, those are some nice keyboards, though, I mm-hmm, have to say. Mm-hmm. So anyway, okay, moving on. No, we need more of those. <laughs> uh, let's go to, what's this one? Oh, Matt. Matt. This is a subreddit for people named Matt. For, this is like the, the Facebook thing where they get all the people with the same name and have them come meet and fight. All the Nates so or whatever. All the Nate, yeah. This one is uh, less pictures, more, um, I guess, people talking about like, celebrating the fact that there's a guy named Matt in the Super Bowl this this year. Um, <laughs> Matt. Uh, just talking about what it's like to be called Matt. Should I, mean, I go by Matt or Matthew? We need um, to start a sub at it, Tim, for some things obscure that, with our podcast. You never know. There might be a community for yes. that out there. Uh, anyway, next we have On the Beaten Trail. Uh, this is kind of a neat one. This is called, the, they call it the Our Desire Path, or R slash Desire Path is the Reddit subreddit community. But it says, dedicated to the paths that humans prefer rather than the paths that humans create. So, like, you know, you've got a sidewalk oh. that, like, goes around the long way. But it's, it's where we just walk across the grass when, you know, everyone just, it's just either walk through any of these bushes. Yep, yep. Well, that's like, this one is kind of, this is like a 99% invisible sort of thing. I thought the same thing, honestly. <laughs> it's like, this is kind of the, the humans getting around design or how design failed or something. He's like, no, this is obviously the best way to go. I don't care about your sidewalk. Yep. We had something like this at... Um, Taylor Upland, actually, because to get to the dining commons, it was much faster to walk right through this field rather than like going the sidewalks that like went around the border of the field. See, what I like about this one is not only is it very specific, but it's, it's like one of those very specific things that everyone instantly understands. Yep, yep. We all know that sometimes the sidewalk is not the best way. Yeah, some of these specific things are just random, but but this was like, yep, this is very true to life. All right, so next we have. The name of this thing is called Shower Orange and Enlightenment of the Soul. Oh, interesting. Okay. So this, uh, according to the About Community page, it says, We are dedicated to the consumption <laughs> of various citrus fruits whilst taking a shower. This is like, this is John Locke's favorite page right here. I can just see him like eating oranges with it raining on the No, no, uh, Sheridan, actually. Oh, that. <laughs> okay. That's, uh, yes, Sheridan and his oranges. From, yes. ba- from uh, those of you who listen to our Babylon oh, 5 man. discussion on we the Weekly Hijack. We a lot of oranges the second watch through. Um, so, yes, this is about people who love to eat oranges while in the shower. And huh. according to this one person, let's see, da, 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 this one person told her therapist about this, describing the experience as when you eat an orange, it's sticky, but in the shower, it's not. Um, it's like, okay. <laughs> The logic makes sense. It makes it makes some sense. And this this is yet another specific thing that you can see putting in a book. Like your character who happens to eat oranges. Like this, what you do? This is like a romantic comedy. Like wait, what you do? They always have like weird quirks. Like sure, sure. you know, they give them character. Give them character. Exactly. She, she loves eating an orange while in the shower. So there you go. 
I mean, there's a lot of pictures, safe for work pictures, at least the ones I'm seeing. There might be some not safe for work ones. I don't know. But like just people holding an orange while they're in the shower. <laughs> and also there's this one that apparently some animals that are just kind of chilling out in the hot tub or something. Not hot oh, tub. Oh, the, the, those, um, the capybaras. Capybaras. They're in uh, in Kanto. Oh, are they? Okay. Yeah, yep. They have oranges just they're floating in the water there. Yeah. So. There's that. Next we have... Cool Guides. This is cool another guides. 99 PI sort of thing. Mm-hmm. It's a kind of a collection of just interesting guides. Sometimes they're how-to. Sometimes they're like, here's some facts about cat knowledge or oh, emotions just, and colors. Just, emo- just an interesting kind of, okay. Yeah. Collection I, I, of guides. Here's yeah. a li- here's a map of all na- U.S. national parks. Here's, they're to make an origami frog. Yeah. Here's a guide to dingoes at the zoo. Uh, interesting. The popularity of the name Gaylord in the U.S., uh, from dozens of kids to like zero, like the uh, mid nineteen fifties. Not surprising. No, no. Okay, so. I can see that. Well, that's in, that would be one kind of interesting to mm-hmm. especially guide. F- especially for um, designers. I mm-hmm. think they, they get into that one. Then you got G. G. This G. is just a, a subreddit that is just pictures of the letter G. In oh, various... this is like sponsored by Sesame Street. <laughs> I guess so. There's there's someone doing calligraphy of a G. Uh, there's here's some sign that's got some weird G's like try. I guess here's what I gotta give them. props for is that like these are not like lame pictures of G. Like some of these are really nice G's. Yeah, you know they're not like they're very fancy G's. Yes, there's a G on a child's giraffe or something. Oh, a G on a license plate. Do people really like the letter G. I don't know. I, I I'm partial to N. <laughs> of course, it shouldn't be surprised. There's a whole, there's many categories for animals, cute, oh, mm-hmm. cute animals, and yes. of course, you have to start with cats. Stuff on cats. So this is very specifically videos and pictures of things on cats. Like here's a cat in a tub, which is is a very calm cat for a cat in a bathtub. No kidding. Surrounded and topped by rubber duckies. Yep. There's a cat, baby, the baby on a cat, baby on a cat. You know what? My son would love this. He's always putting like his socks on our cat. Oh yeah, just on her head. <laughs> yeah, I think he would actually really appreciate this. There's a cat that's just got a pile of office supplies on <laughs> top. They don't wow. seem to. They, they don't, don't care. Yeah. Nope. Wow, that's clever. So uh, next, we... I'm not surprised by that. Well, I'm not surprised by much anymore on the internet. But yeah. the, but that I kind of get the like I know enough people who like cats that. I can see that. Yeah. 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 Here's one called Goat Parkour. <laughs> just again, interesting. A lot of these are videos and picture stuff. It's almost like when I was searching this, I found like the Instagram areas of Reddit. I know there are some that are much more like discussion focused, but these are not the ones I was finding for these very, for the, specific very, topics. very, well, very specific things tend to be easier to take pictures show. of. We don't, yeah. have, we don't have words for it's like goat parkour. No, of like goats <laughs> climbing on solar panels and, Playing on a giant inflatable tube, <laughs> or what else do we have here? A uh, goat jumping, jumping on, on a horse. Yeah, I think so. Or playing with a tortoise. Goats or just like on to, top of the tortoise. Goats just like to stand on things. That's what it seems like. This next one is fairly straightforward. Squirrels eating unusual things. <laughs> um, Man, my wife would love this one. Okay. So, so although some of these, these are looks like it's eating. I didn't know squirrels are carrion eaters, but well, here's a squirrel eating a dead bird. So, That's a little weird. So, but here's a eating a, a fortune cookie. What we need is a squirrel eating an orange Chips, in a shower. A corn dog, uh, a ketchup packet. <laughs> 
Um, but okay, so but maybe that's not specific enough for it's you. Not specific. That's it's, no, it's that's specific way animal too... eating, but it's not. It, it just says eating weird things. That's not very specific. No, no, you need to focus in. So here is one on wolves with watermelons. <laughs> Are there how many times you get wolves with watermelons? Well, I don't know, but there's a whole subreddit for it of uh, some wolves videos with... and pictures of wolves eating watermelons. Okay. I am a little surprised by this one. I mean, this is very specific. This is like, yeah, this is top level, top shelf specific here. <laughs> wow. So these are these are some of the more specific. Now, I'm going to just quickly name off because we're kind of running low on time, but I can't not mention these weirder ones that I found. All right. So here's a Reddit called uh, Bread on Tree. This place has pictures of bread that have been stapled to trees. <laughs> stapled? Are so, they always stapled? Uh, apparently. That is amazing. They will get specific on, on the type of bread and the type of tree. Like this is rye on sabeled palmetto. Wow. A pumpkin brioche meets its ignomious end on this tree. Uh, whole wheats on palm. <laughs> uh, let's see. It's like a weird cult you're part of. Yeah, kind of, where you just want to staple bread to trees for some reason. That's hilarious. And the birds probably like it. Whites on sycamore. Bagel on cherry tree. Bagel on cherry tree. A tiny slice on an American beach. <laughs> O-nuts on eastern hemlock. This is literally a skit from... Mind Python's Flying Circus. <laughs> it feels like it should it be. It feels like it should be. They had the the organization of people who put things on top of other things. So they scared of that. <laughs> you just need like uh, John Cleese narrating giving a, it. Yeah, giving a very precise. And here we have the oat nut on Eastern Hemlock, a very popular <laughs> thing on these parts. <laughs> I can completely see it. All right, next, here's a one called, Is Today Friday the 13th? This is actually one that does not have pictures. It is literally just a lots of posts of someone asking, is today Friday the 13th? <laughs> and the reply is usually no. <laughs> Except every once in a while. Uh, wow. I, that's, yeah. just a, that's just like a running gag. Yeah, that is that is what I call dedication to a bit. Yes. Um, okay. And this last one, this I know is just for the, the lols. Uh, this is called Things Hitler and Taylor Swift Literally Said. <laughs> What they've done here is basically they've paired quotes, things that Taylor Swift has said with like a picture of Hitler and basically attributed <laughs> things that Taylor Swift said to Hitler and vice versa. So, for example, oh boy, fans are my favorite thing in the world. I've never been the type of artist who has that line drawn between their friends and their fans. Is Adolf it? Hitler, Berlin, 1934. <laughs> um, or um, here's a, a very creepy picture of Taylor Swift and she says, my spirit will rise from the grave and the world will see I was right. <laughs> oh, the internet. Here's That's a quote good. from quote unquote Adolf Hitler. Yeah, I really love Christmas. I wish it was all year round. Just like for the feeling everyone has, everyone's buying gifts for each other and there's a sort of feeling ab about it. But I think the fact that I love it so much is because I grew up on a Christmas tree farm. <laughs> Adolf Hitler, Christmas Day, 1939. <laughs> this is kind of great. <laughs> I swear I don't love the drama. It loves me. Was Adolf that... Hitler. <laughs> <laughs> or was it really Taylor Swift? Oh, that's hilarious. So anyway, there's a fun list of really interesting subcommunities. Uh, obviously, those are less specific, more jokey ones. But... Yeah, but still very specific ideas. Like yes. comedy. Again, comedy is very specific with Taylor Swift and Hitler. You yes. know, <laughs> was a specific thing. So there's, there's your tour of the interwebs today, folks. That was great. That was wonderful. Well, thank you for listening to Derailed Trains of Thoughts. Nick, if they want to uh, email us and chime in where we heard that sentence from, how can they email us again? 
Uh, there's some website with an address. Oh, specifically, it would be derailedtrains at gmail.com. That is how you would email us, yes. Our website is very specific, derailedtrainsofthought.blogspot.com. We know it's a mouthful, we, but... Yeah, we're working on it. <laughs> um, and you can also find us on Facebook and Twitter, Spotify, iTunes, etc. Apple Podcasts, technically. Yes. Oh, yeah, yeah. Rest yeah. in peace, iTunes. We have to get specific about this name. That's true. That's true. So, yes, for my soundtrack, I thought I was looking through the tags on OC Remix and uh, saw surf music, and I thought, that's a very specific sound of it music. Is. You know what surf music sounds like. So I went with, actually, another remix from The Legend of Zelda, Skyward Sword. Which is interesting, because I don't think we've ever chosen that one before. No, not, I did check. We've never done Skyward Sword, and we have two in this one episode. We did not is, talk to each other. No. Well, I knew beforehand what you were going to pick, oh, but yeah. I wound up picking this anyway. Uh, but this remix is called The Groose is Loose. It is by Audio Mocha. And it is it's a lot of fun. So, um, but Nick, I think actually the occupants of this place is about to play some violin music. Oh. So maybe we better vamoose before we crank yes. out the, the surf tunes. That, that's true. You may not enjoy such a thing. And it, it may not be refined enough. And maybe we'll just look outside and check out like the shoe treads of things and see if we can solve a crime or something. That, that sounds good. But anyway, thank you folks for listening. Enjoy the surf. Might feel good in this late winter to think about some summer. That's true. Some summer tunes. But until next time, this is Tim. This is Nick. Bye-bye. Adios.